0: Hi and welcome to the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Harris. This podcast is all about helping leaders understand how do they get focus, flow and fun. Over the course of this podcast, I'll be working with and interviewing senior people, leaders and authors from around the world who will be giving their insights, their questions, their challenges around how they and the people that they work with become frank and fearless. Hi, and welcome to the latest edition of the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. So, today is actually a little bit different for me because this is the first time uh, that I've had a guest on my show who I've not actually met before. So, this is going to be really interesting and fascinating in the fact that I'm going to be absolutely learning on the go. Uh, I'm going to be completely in the moment, completely inquisitive and intuitive. Uh, and allow my things to uh, just flow the, the way that they do. And those of you that know me know that when I'm uh, facilitating or coaching, that's exactly my style. So this is actually really, really cool. Um, I'd like to welcome uh, to the stage, uh, to the platform, uh, Dr. Linda Ulrich. Um, I hope I've pronounced that right, Linda. Uh, please, give us, please give us a 60-second elevator pitch. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Well, thank you for introducing me, Adam. I am a, uh, by the last TED um, conference, I was given the moniker Global Positive Media Mogul. <laughs> Ooh,
0: tell us more. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, well, that actually starts with being a very ordinary person um, who grew up in a very rural area of, of the United States, south of Chicago, and um, a set of circumstances, um, uh, Allowed my husband and I to become citizens of the world. We, my husband, was a professional basketball player, and that launched us into being, becoming Irish citizens, living in Spain, Italy. Um, we've, our kids have slept on plywood in Tibet. So, <laughs> I went as um, in my first um, forty years from being, or thirty, um, from being an ordinary person who grew up in a, in a very ordinary way to being somebody who has a point of view. That, um, that, that brought me no end to the comfort I feel about others and the world mm. around us. And my job as a global positive media mogul <laughs> in the last decade has been to share this point of view that we could be having, that is not rising to the top of our online lives, that the world is still an amazing place. Okay, so, so that's me, what I do in the world.
0: Okay, so just repeat that phrase again, global Positive.
1: Global positive media mogul is what they came up with.
0: <laughs> Global positive. Okay. Tell us more. That, that intrigues okay.
1: me. Okay. So the story goes something like this. I've told you the first part. My husband and I came up from ordinary beginnings and a, and a circumstance of birth made him very good at basketball. Which, and we were childhood sweethearts. So we launched out into this world and that we would have never known without... Without this twist of of good fortune and um, so we 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 became Irish citizens we've lived all over the place we became dentists together so um, so we had a very unified world um, experience and we started raising kids that would feel like citizens of the world and that kind of responsibility and um, so my journey goes from becoming a dentist which uh, will make sense in a moment to uh, to global Positive media uh, mogul like this. My husband and I committed to creating a, a dental practice that kept the humanity in healthcare. I don't know how it is where you are, but it's gotten in the United States where you get seven minutes with your dentist or your doctor. Seven minutes with your doctor. If you've got breast cancer, seven minutes. Ear infection, seven minutes. And what we have seen in the span of our 30 years in healthcare is this going away of the doctor patient relationship. And we were absolutely committed. My, my dad was the kind of doctor who took care of your birth to death. So Chuck and I were absolutely committed to keeping the relationship going. And so we, we figured out the way to do that was to find something to celebrate with every single patient. And it came to pass that our patients would even come to see us on the day their spouse dies. That happens regularly in our office. People keep their dental appointment on their worst days. Because they learned and we managed to, to find these other co-workers, all our staff are these incredible giving people that elevate others. So I'm used to practicing for 20 years in an environment full of elevating people and patients and so forth. And one day I got an email from a young man I'd known since he was a toddler. And he was writing me from one of the most bleak places in the world. He'd signed up for the army thinking truly that was the way he could make the world a better place. He came from a family that was very military and he was writing me in the worst state of mind. All he heard from home was that how how mean people were and all the things that we know about the story being told about each other on social media. And then there he sat in a foxhole looking around and seeing more you know a, a terrible worldview and he turned to me because i think he really wanted uh something to celebrate because that's mm-hmm. what he'd come to know me for and i tell you i i don't launch into this huge search of the internet adam i had been saying to myself for months if not years somebody's got to do something about this we cannot let the news just keep telling us yeah. about the, the the horrible part, part of the story And that day that somebody's got to do something about this went to me, became my, my calling, my, Mm -hmm. my purpose. Um, I went on a mad search of the internet to send him someplace for good news and insight and inspiration without any politics or ads. And when I couldn't find it, I snapped (laughs) and I called a young man who I knew was very tech savvy and uh, within the week. Um, he built me a website, and I decided to publish and write one article every day on anything under the sun to prove it is still an amazing world. Wow. And I did that. I had a seventh grader, I had a sophomore in high school, I had a first year a kid first year in college, and somehow I that's what happens when you find your calling.
0: yeah
1: <laughs> you you are no longer pushing. you are being pulled. <laughs>
0: So I mean there's, there's a lot there's a lot there but there's a couple of things I just want to pick up on so what what was it with you and your husband about creating this space and this environment or this container which I often talk about from a from a coaching or facilitation perspective why was that important for you to create that space that allowed people the I think there's a level of respect uh and a humility to be able to to just have that space where actually the dentistry was the reason for what people came in, but there was something far bigger that I'm hearing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, my dad was the best kind of old school doctor. You, he, you had his home phone number. You never thought twice about calling him at 2 a.m. if your kid's tonsils were inflamed. You, he took care of people birth to death. He was... he. If it took 45 minutes with a little old lady, um, then that's what he took. And... Um, he was the old school way and uh, he could see that that was disappearing across the board for the doctor-patient relationship and he really encouraged us to go into dentistry because he could see our neighbor next door Dr. Doolin, he still had that ability to be truly present with people for what, however long it took to make sure people's dignity was preserved, that they had an elevated feeling uh, uh, after being with the doctor because that is that that's the essence of the old school doctor patient relationship. And we saw so much of that, Adam, that Chuck and I just knew we could not do it any other way. So when insurance companies started moving in and forced dentists and doctors to just run around on roller skates, we just, we just refused to participate. And that was fearless because we stopped signing dental insurance contracts and we lost, we lost 40% of our patients. Uh, but, um, it was um, it. It was by being frank with people that we didn't want to lose our relationship with them, to to, to having to run around in roller skates, um, and the people who who thought that was important to their relationships, their trusting relationships, um, stayed and more joined us, and eventually we were we were just known for this.
0: Uh, I I wonder in changing that um, that methodology and being. Uh, A relationship business not a dentistry business Uh, you must have had some patients come from far and wide that just wanted to be part of you and be part of your community
1: I have a guy right now who's just desperate to come from London Um, another podcaster as a matter of fact Um, there's something about being in the presence of people um, of others um, who you you just know that you can trust them um, and that and i think trust happened what i do a lot of speaking about adam is that trust is the the gap in our online lives that that is the institutional gap of the internet trust and we are seeing that spill off into everything else and and um you know my my dad died young because he gave it all what we got left was what was left of him at the end of the day and i'm pretty sure the kind of cancer he got was was rela- and they do know that it's related to stress. Um, and you know what? He wasn't unhappy going that yeah. way. Um, so anyway, this is how I, I get my ethos. This is how my husband and I have raised our kids. And, and what I hope with my good fortune, because I mm-hmm. am very fortunate, I, I, my parents also taught me that with good fortune comes responsibility. And so uh, I, I, I felt like this is what I can do to make the world a better place.
0: It's funny because um, I only uh, I only used the phrase the other day. With great power comes great responsibility. I just want to pick up on um, you mentioned your dad. I was going to ask you whether he was uh, whether he was still alive. Um, knowing what you're doing now, if your dad was alive now, w- you know what would he be saying? You know w- w- what would the voice in you know what would he be saying, tapping you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, Linda." Absolutely. And I heard a really big, deep breath there.
1: Oh, I got goosebumps head to toe right now. I've never thought of that, Adam. I've never thought of that. I know that he would be, oh gosh, (laughs) you're going to make me tear up. I know that he would be really proud that this is the legacy he Mm. left from his hard work. Because I don't think that he would argue that he was a great dad. He was never there. He was never tossing a baseball in the front yard with my brother. He never went to my swimming meets, all that. He Mm. was truly there for others. In, truly in service to others. Um, my neighbor, our neighbors, when I was growing up, their son tried to commit suicide. And, of course, my dad's the one running over in his underpants, keeping him alive till the ENT came. I mean, this is the way he lived every day of his life. He's an ER doc a good bit of the time and a surgeon, really, really old school. Mm-hmm. And um, I tell you, I think what he would say with what I'm doing now is that um, that that I have found my niche. I, I, I thought I'd found my niche in dentistry. I was doing uh, dentistry with computers in 2003. So way ahead of the curve technology in that field. Mm-hmm. And I even thought that was my calling. I thought that was my purpose. But I think I'm even better suited to, to amplify a message of possibility that we are not seeing in our online lives. And he would be proud of that because he, too, I should say, Adam, they were, my parents were great travelers. Okay. Um, they, yeah, they were the kind that on the Orange Express, when they got a chance to ride the Orange Express, they asked if they could ride on the cattle catcher, the front, yeah, the front, that, that part that sticks out. And they said, well, I'm sorry, but you're going to be on there for six and a half hours. There's no getting off. We're not stopping the train. If you're doing that, fine, but you're not getting off. And they did it. <laughs>
0: So uh, as, as growing up then and through your life where where's the one place that you go do you know what if I was gonna mo- ever move or settle down that that's one place that I'd like to, to go is is there somewhere for you?
1: Um, I tell you um, I'm a I'm like you I'm naturally curious about everything and everywhere I go makes me ask better questions about the next place I might go or. So I don't know if you, if you force me to just say where I've been that I, I could see myself uh, being for quite some time. Uh, I loved the the place where my husband and I, where he first played professional basketball in Spain. There's a little corner of Spain, you know, that sticks out above Portugal mm-hmm. that almost no one knows about. It's called Galicia. And it's a Spanish part of Europe that is actually more influenced by Gaelics, by by people coming down from the British Isles. And I have, that's where we first became citizens of the world. So I have a special place in my heart for when the, when the farm girl um, mm. became, became something more.
0: Where, where, where have you not been that you want to go?
1: Um, though I think as soon as the pandemic is over, um, my husband and I are really wanting to head your direction. We have a lifelong great friend um, in Sydney, um, we're great nature nerds. We're just super amateur naturalists, and I, I, I just so am green with envy, <laughs> with the way um, your your place, your pride in place, your, your the country you live in now. The, the pride in place there is so extraordinary. I, I, gotta feel that.
0: Well, when the time is right, uh, to be able to meet face to face will be will be amazing. Um, just want to you mentioned the word trust. Um, before, and I was speaking to somebody uh, earlier this week, and and they were sharing with me saying actually, trust is actually about the confidence of reliability. When when an individual or an organisation can show you a reliable set of values, actually the trust builds off uh, off the back of that. And and I think with with what we you know because we're going to go on and we're going to talk about the media. Uh, and trust, because there's a big uh, there's a big link, or not a big link, and um, we'll explore. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that around uh, around reliability?
1: So, what I've learned in my life of being in really deeply trust reliant relationships. Think about this. I mean, people always say, you know, how, where's this connection between dentistry and global positivism, Moka? Well, I'll tell you where it is. It's my ability that my patients taught me. How to, um, how to, how to connect with others deeply in 30 seconds to a minute, because you got to think about, I saw Mm. for 25 years, I saw 25 to 35 people a day who hated the moment I walked in the room, (laughs) hated that moment. They were fearful instantly, you know, everything, And I had about 25 seconds to gain their trust, to regain their trust, if I'd known them for a long time, to, to preserve their dignity and to just, you know, to just reassure that we can do this together. We can do hard things together. And I'm there totally with them. Okay. So trust in, in what I learned is trust is hard won and easily lost. This is what people are forgetting in the media now. This is why Mm -hmm. we, none of us know who to trust anymore, because people have forgotten that exact rule, is trust is hard won and easily lost. And um, so I have uh, made the whole arc of my my digital life as as building the Ever Widening Circles network, Um, I've made it all about making choices that gave people a feeling of reliability Like I have never paid to play. Never. I found out that my book could have been a New York Times bestseller for $52,000 and I would have loved to have had a New York Times bestseller, but no, um, on and on the, uh, the whole system that we're kind of (laughs) tenuously gripping onto right now, um, needs an infusion of people who have thoughtful, measured, helpful voices, and that's what we need. We can. I, I will. I will share with you later, um, as we get further down this rabbit hole, how I, d- how I know how, who to trust and not to trust. And um, just in short, I'm looking for people who are thoughtful. That means they're not just spouting or tapping away the first thing that came to mind. I don't know about you, Rhett, Adam, but my first thoughts are not that great. <laughs>
0: None of my thoughts well, I just had I just had
1: somebody <laughs> ask me an employee was like, "Oh, you saw my post on Facebook? Why don't you ever respond or like?" And I said, uh, "My thought, my first thoughts on stuff are not that great. I don't, I don't operate that way on social media uh, because I try to be thoughtful. I try to be measured, and I try to think: Is anything I'm going to say here going to be helpful? Because I don't want to add to the noise. There's just too much noise."
0: So I, I really want to ask you this, because I think those people that are listening, uh, for somebody who's got 25 to 30 people walking in through the door where you've got to build that trust or rebuild that trust, yeah. how do you do it?
1: So the first thing I do is I'm vulnerable first. This is the quickest way. If anybody just wants to to, to just figure out how to repair a relationship in their workplace or with a, with a child or a somebody they care about, be willing to go first, be vulnerable first. So for instance, I'd say like during the pandemic, I'll just give you a, a few for instances. I would pop down with a patient and say, Janine, oh my gosh, I have had such a complex year. It's wonder I, my face isn't full of wrinkles. How about you? So I just am vulnerable first. I'm not popping down and saying how mm-hmm. wonderful my life is or putting them on the spot and having to decide whether they are honest with me about how their years been been or not. Um, Or if I have to ask somebody how old they are, I always say how old I am first, always. If I I have to ask somebody about a medication that's on their health history that might um, cause dry mouth, very often um, antidepressants cause really dry mouth and it can totally trash your teeth. I would never say, Janine, I see -hmm. this medicine on your health history for depression you know, talk to me about the dry mouth. I would never in a trillion years say that. I am vulnerable first. I say, Janine, I've had struggled with depression my whole life. Um, I see you're on this medicine. Does it give you dry mouth? I know that's a real problem. So when I sit down with a a patient, at least through the pandemic, I'm usually coming clean with something I remember that person and I are connected to. Maybe we have kids the same age, or Mm -hmm. maybe we both used to be in the garden club and now we aren't or whatever it is. And I say, oh gosh, you know, I've struggled with this for the last year. How about you? Be vulnerable first.
0: Are you, are you doing that from, with all of the patients that you've got then, are you doing that from memory mm. uh, or do you make your own so notes? So
1: we do it both ways. Chuck and I are incredibly, that's one thing growing up in the Midwest, of, in in the United States is just part of the culture you, you truly know others. You truly see them. It's just a part of you have to. And so I'm good with remembering stories and our lines of connection with others. So most of the time, I do remember that last time we talked. And maybe they were having trouble with a nephew that was on drugs or whatever. Um, they went on the Disney cruise and the Disney cruise got canceled when they showed up. You know, or whatever. I remember these moments. And since I'm truly connecting with the people mm-hmm. the last time, we're not just talking about, you know, what the, the, the latest sports teams. We're talking about something impactful when they were in last time. So that makes a truly long-lasting impression on me. So most of the time, I do remember. We have ways of keeping notes, too, so that when Chuck and I see each other's patients, and I might not have had that impactful conversation, I can look in the notes and say, hey, Chuck, wrote, Chuck had the assistant write down that your son was graduating from engineering school, and here the pandemic came. Did he graduate? What happened?
0: Yeah, so I, I just think I, I'm just reflecting on what you're saying, and there's this, there's this conscious effort to subconsciously want to make a positive impact with every individual that you come in well, into I'll contact with. Well, I'll tell you, with.
1: I just interviewed a guy on my podcast, um, uh, and his he's written a book that um, is called "Every Conversation Counts." And I'll tell you, that's the mindset we have to get in. We have to be truly present for others. Because, Adam, I think I remember uh, all these details about this person I'm sitting in front of because I really um, am truly present. And we run behind in our office a lot for just that reason. But our patients know that when we're running behind, it's because we gave somebody else the attention that they hope we give them. So we don't get a lot of complaints, but mm. I think in our fast-paced society, are we're we're listening so hard to get ready to say what we want to say next that we're not truly present with the person that we've chosen to be with
0: now. So so interestingly, being present or being in presence uh, is something that I personally have I've uh, massively struggled with over the years. Um, in fact. Uh, I created a brand called Presence uh, a number of years ago, and, and, and what I found was is that uh, through my training and development and wanting to be and serve people, is that I'm really great at you know from especially from a coaching one-on-one perspective, is giving of all of myself through to the to the other person. The one that has really challenged me has been being present with my wife and two kids, who are absolutely the world to me. But uh, but being there and and kind of almost being in time, not through time. Um, help help me to, and also help the listeners understand what what is it and how do you can you remain or be present?
1: So something I learned way too late in life is every time you decide what you want the other half is deciding what you're willing to give up to get it. I learned that way too late in life. My first child, my, the, the CEO of, of Everwidening Circles, the gal that does this, this work with me, um, Liesl, her very first words, Adam, were, hold her, hold her. She would look up to me and go, hold her. You know why that is? Because I was always in such a hurry and so not present. That she was always hearing me say, "Hold her." This is huge.
0: Wow, well, yeah, um, it reminds me of a phrase I heard that in order to start something, you've got to stop something, and and again, I think it comes, yeah, it comes back to that that level of of, of conscious awareness. Um you know and you know it, it feels now's the right time to kind of go on into talking about the media
1: can i can i say one more thing before we move on to the media because i want i want i don't want people to think that that we do these things unthinkingly and that we can't course correct um because that is really important we can't shame ourselves into change you know i just had the awareness one day this awareness was shared with me by somebody I really respected, a mentor, who saw this happening too much with me and who, who mm. laid this on me, this, this. hey, every time you decide what you want, you, the other half is knowing what you're willing up to give up to get it. And you seem that you're a very distracted mother. It was my kid's pediatrician. And he was a patient of mine. So whoa, we were talking turkey. And he could see that when I could come in there, I would always be worried about getting my to-do list done. I would just be near frazzled. Mm-hmm. And um, so he helped me make a course correction very young. very When Liesel was very young and my other kids had just been born. So, And, and Liesel became a beautiful person. She graduated from Harvard. She has a, a heart for the world, a big heart for the world. Um, so you can make a course correction. I could, You know, we can all lay, let these, these things, these regrets lay pretty heavy on our heart. But, but you can be mm-hmm. fearless and then, boom, decide to make a quick, abrupt turnabout. We can, we've can we all done it before. We can do it again.
0: Um, how cool is it working with your daughter? So
1: this is um, one of the greatest gifts and one of the greatest challenges all at the same time.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, she had... Uh, we're still left with that in the end we're still mother daughter we can make it all ceo and founder and all those words but in the end she's like mom
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah just yesterday we uh,
0: had one of those things, so. I, I, um, <laughs> yeah so um my dad worked for me for eight years and i i reflect it and he was the best employee that i've ever I've ever had um We had a we had a really it wasn't it was never the fastest and you know and he'll admit that as well but there was this there was this kind of uh, unknowing respect and you know trust in wanting to uh, believe in that we were doing the right thing Um, and it, it it took our relationship to a different level that you know I'm I'm really. Uh, I'm really proud and honoured that that I was kind of able to to kind of do that. Okay. Right. Let's go. Let's go into. Got let's it. talk about the media. Let's, let's go, go in. Ahead. Let's go there. Um, because uh, I I knew nothing about what uh, what you're trying to achieve and what you're doing currently. And as soon as I kind of kind of came across it, I was like, wow, this is exactly what the world needs. Please share exactly. Uh, you you told it and explained the story of where it came from, talk us through the inception and the process to kind of get it launched and bring us right up Mm -hmm. to present day as to what's going on with ever widening circles.
1: So if we want to, if we can, if we want to think back just a little ways, this is not a new problem. The, um, the way, uh, this evolved for me personally is that I started, because I had these deep relationships with patients, I started noticing as far back as 2009, 10, 11, 12, that people were starting to have a sense of future fatalism. This idea that the world was going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. I mean, and these were ordinary people who I'd known as totally cheerful for for decades. And yet they, it it, it was easy to slip into these downward spiral conversations. You know, the ones we have, it's no use, everybody's lazy no one wants this. Everyone's doing that. These are the downward spiral, and those were happening before I started ever widening circles in 2012 and 13. And then after I started ever widening circles, so I went out and I found a nice young man who could build me a website, and I started writing these articles. I'm telling you, from minute one, Adam, there was when when my when what I was searching for was goodness and progress. It, it became it, it became so expansive that I knew uh, I was maybe the only one who would know the, the extent, <laughs> because I didn't see anybody looking for signs of goodness and progress with no politics. It all had to fit, If you, were, it, you probably know, a bunch of really big good news websites, but they have politics or religion at their core. Many of them did then. Um, I don't know if they still do, but that eliminates 50% of the people right off. And I was in search of creating something that we could all agree upon. Even before we had the division we had now, somehow I knew that, that advertising, religion, and, um, and politics, while I might like all three of those things, where I might use them all, I knew that they were the source of a lot of craziness. <laughs> That fighting—I mean, not that you're crazy if you love politics or, or religion or anything—that it's the source of a lot of a of, of lot of peace of mind for people. But then when people get together, it's a source of a lot of friction and mistrust because there we were back to trust again. So I started curating the internet when I wrote about things for things that everyone can agree upon as goodness and progress. I mean, you could find somebody w- way, 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 right or left that would say articles, some of them are left or right leaning, but really, you know, I come from people that are super conservative. My, <laughs> my brother has, has thousands of dollars worth of guns and he was an F-15 fighter pilot and he is just as conservative politically as could be. And my neighbors are vegan hippie, um, Vermonters in the United States. And they think they both think the website's for them. And that is the sweet spot we need to be shooting for now. Who knew back in 2013 we'd be where we are right now with the vision and the animosity um, that's in our online lives. But I recognized right off that what was rising to the top was everything that was triggering our worst impulses: fear and anger. This is and and then the deeper I got into trying to work with the system that exists on the internet now, the more I realized that it's all diabolically. <laughs> built to trigger our worst impulses. And I be, uh, and my mission then became to change the negative dialogue about our times by being so overwhelmingly trustworthy that we might have some shot at a unified march towards a different future. So that's what you see when you look at Everwinding Circles or all the things we've created, the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, the Conspiracy of Goodness network, um, our, our app is Discord. It's all created to remind people that what we see on the internet right now is only a tiny fraction of reality and that there is this incredible um, wave of goodness and progress well underway in in the world that almost no one knows about.
0: So I've had the fortune of of spending and working in North America and, you know, this aspect of, I've always known about the fractions within religion growing up in a, in a Jewish household um, and the aspects that kind of sit around that, um, spending time in both Northern Ireland and also in, in Israel. So I, I saw religion. The divide around politics for me didn't really hit home until I spent some time in, uh, in North America and friendships that I'd built over a period of time, highly intellectual individuals, people that I care really deeply about, the subject of politics came up and to see this divide and this the, the the pure levels of emotion and and kind of hatred and anger, it's like I kind of like what what what's going on? We're just having a conversation, and to, to see how it just triggered people was kind of uh, was kind of fascinating. Um, in 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 the world that we're in now, uh, how has the whole COVID conversation? Affected uh, what's going on with kind of ever widening circles? Do you stay completely, don't even talk about it? Or how are are there any positive stories that have been coming out as a result of what's been going on?
1: Uh, Of course. We we see only the positive stories because that is what we've taught our algorithms. We want to see, like we re, um, we recently lost one mm-hmm. a really key fundamental original key me- team member. She had a, some family compl- complications that she really had to step away and start taking care of. And I wanted her laptop back so badly because she was so she had trained her algorithms to be so zeroed in on delivering signs of goodness and progress that I knew that laptop was just a treasure. Um, and that's the way we have to think about um, how the pandemic has affected what we see on the screens in our life and how, how what our fears have affected what we see on the screens in our life. So what I saw with the pandemic from my point of view, because I, I am so teaching my algorithms, what I want to find is that people have been so remarkably ingenious during the pandemic and generous. Mm -hmm. And, um, and hard working, oh my gosh, because I see these stories that aren't making it to the top of the news cycle. I can tell you that, um, there, while there is so much disaster going on, there is also so much, uh, goodness and opportunity that has shown up from people, um, all over the world. It's really been to, to be able to see both, both worlds has been a great privilege. Because mm-hmm. I know what we're capable of now. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. So do you do you subscribe to the aspect of uh, what you see and what you read? You become? Absolutely.
1: I, and I, t- I, I make it even simpler than that. What we give our attention to expands. That's it. You give your attention to the fact that your teenager, all you give your attention to is that your teenager shows up late for curfew every night. Then I can guarantee you that will expand. But if you're giving your attention to the fact that they are also pulling all all good grades, or that they um, that they are the one that their 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 friends mark as the DD, the the designated driver, because your, your kid is the one who might come in late, but he's late because he's dropping off all the other kids that are drunk. I mean, it, what we give our attention to expands, whether it's in the in our business lives or in our personal lives and if we recognize that and get off autopilot we can we can create our own reality and the future we want to see
0: so it goes back to the aspect yes, of being present it does. in the fact that if you if you have that conscious awareness um so i i know a lot of people that uh have consciously detached themselves from mm-hmm. any level of media because they don't want to be consumed um They don't want the negativity. Um, It feels as if you've you've created an option for them that if they want to subscribe uh, and they want to partake in the positivity, is that actually I've got loads of people to refer you into because there's now something that is available to them. Uh, I mean, you must have many stories about that over the years. Okay,
1: so most people think that I would be telling people to turn off all the news. But I, I, I always like to go back to how we got here. And, and, and so here's how we got here in really short order. In 1993, Adam, there were only 130 websites in the world. In 2003, there were 40 million. So imagine an organizing principle had to, had to evolve because the, the original intent, the engineers, I've met Bob Metcalf, Metcalf he's the nicest guy ever, Um, He was one of the original people that arguably invented the internet. Um, They were running, they were engineers, young engineers running into work every day. And their goal was to see how much they could do two things, connect us to each other and connect us to information faster. That was the goal of the original, original, original internet. And that goal probably um, got, (laughs) got hijacked quite a bit when we went from 130 to 40 million in 10 years websites because an organizing principle had to arise to the top and what it became is our attention nothing else matters but our attention but capturing and holding our attention that became the organizing principle of the internet now maybe it was naive in the beginning but it may have been something like well if a lot of people give their attention to this thing it must be good it must have merit it must be valuable but of course we know what happened after that um is that people realize that what we give our attention to is, is very much determined by our amygdala, our fight or flight part of the brain. And so very quickly, mm-hmm. people use that neuroscience against us. And here we are, where we are today, with an internet that, um, that is totally built to capture and hold our attention. Now, here's the good news. <laughs> I know, that sounds really depressing. Like, sign off of everything. But here's the good news. I haven't signed off social media. I, I still listen to the news, but here's, here's the take on my take on it. If, if this is an attention economy, if everything in our online lives is an attention economy, then guess what? That sword cuts both ways, right? Because if we don't give our attention to things, they will die in obscurity. No one is creating content that people will not give their attention to. So we are the authors of our own demise if we keep giving our attention to the chaos builders, the people who are not thoughtful and helpful, to information that does is not keep uh, making our future better together. And that is the bottom line, is that what I've learned is that there's four simple shifts that people can make to see a whole different world in their life. You want me to give you those real quick? Okay.
0: Yes, please. The first thing
1: you do you, you, is before you click on anything, you be present, totally present. You don't go to the internet ever on autopilot. You, you, Before you click on anything, pause. That's the first shift. Just pause. Because someone is counting every click you make. And whatever you click on, you will get more of. Your click is a vote for more of anything you engage with even if it's leaving you terrified heartbroken or angry so the second the second uh, shift is ignore more because we can ignore things into obscurity the things that come and go on the internet are the things we do not give our attention to so if there's one guy who's decided to make a uh, male enhancement potion of the last rhino horn on the planet and he's willing to use clickbait. And we all follow that clickbait. He will stay in existence. But Topher White, who's figured out how to save all the remaining rainforests on the planet using old cell phones, if we don't give him our attention, mm-hmm. his project will die. Right on the vine. Even though it's one of the most promising developments in the last five years. Um, so it, pause. Before you click on anything, and by click I mean any engagement at all—a a tap, a like, a swipe, anything like that—ignore more because I believe that if you use this one question, you can ignore about eighty percent of what you used to tap on. I say to myself, "I'm, I'm, my fingers trembling," and I say, "Do we need more of this?" And the operative word is "we." Like it might be mm-hmm. my team politically. Maybe they had a big win, and they. They dashed some political opponent. But I don't really think we need the anarchy. I don't think we need the animosity. So I won't click on it. And that leads you to the third shift. So pause, ignore more. Seek signs of goodness and progress. Your algorithms are built to give you more of what you seek. It's just the way it is. So if you seek signs of goodness and progress, that's why I don't see the world that everybody tells me is on the Internet. Because I am... I am. Yeah. I am. I never ever stray. Like I'm. Qu- I'm curious about that blobfish picture on the Weather Channel too, <laughs> or two death ship docked in Miami. No, I will not let myself. Or that that Hollywood star. What she looks like now. No, never. And if you seek goodness and in progress instead, the algorithms are built to be shortcuts, and they will serve you that. And the the fourth. Uh, the fourth shift is. When you come across signs of goodness and progress, share it. Because content creators are intensely, as you well know, watching what we share. And that's what we all get more of. Like a like on Facebook. If you see, you know, the neighbor boy raised $500 for the Humane Society, for gosh sakes, and he's 10 years old, share it. Because <laughs> it's going to start a wave of its own. It just It's a matter of you moving your finger over maybe a millimeter or two. And this is how goodness and progress starts ri- rising to the top when we consciously choose what we give our attention to in our online lives. It's not that, that
0: earth-shaking. Uh, it, it's not, but I think sometimes we, we forget and we get, we get naturally caught into going down those, those rabbit holes. Uh, and, and actually, as important as it is online, I think it's also uh, how we are both in our home lives with our friends and also you know in a work capacity you know in in order for us to be to be leaders and be frank and fearless one of the things we actually need to do is to is to pause take that take that step back and just say am i doing a positive intention or am i flying off on the handle and that and that that slight pause um and i think often that there, there is that's the difference between being being a manager and being a leader is is that is that consciousness you know, it's that awareness of kind of going and 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 as and when you don't do it right is to have the humility and the vulnerability to go, hey, do you know what? That's right. i might have fucked up. I was having a load of stuff internally going on for me. Let me let me apologize. Um, Linda, t- tell me uh, in the in the years that you've been growing, where are you at to, uh, now with regards to kind of numbers uh, and where's the where and what is the vision to kind of move forward?
1: Before we leave the pause thing, I want to share, you are spot on with what you just said about the pause. And so much so that I my second TED Talk is about the power of the pause. It's so if people want to engage more with what you just exactly said, um, I couldn't say it better. But there is a if you put Dr. Linda Ulrich in the search box and put the power of the pause, it's there. Okay, so here's what's going on with with Everwinding Circles. And I'm glad that you asked that. Um, So we have created five platforms, way too much to manage. I'm doing all these TED Talks. I just did a third this weekend um, where where, we've we've soft launched a social media network. um, And I have two really, really important people in the planet (laughs) um, who are both at the top of the fields of AI. There's AI, artificial intelligence, and there's AI, um, appreciative inquiry, um, is a It's a way of communicating in the world that's considered very generative. And um, gosh, I, I just recently met both of these um, very important thought leaders, and I, I may get them to weigh in on the culture we create for this social media network. It's so, so tiny and soft lunch just now. Gosh, considering what happened yesterday with good old Facebook, <laughs> maybe the world needs a social media network that has a culture that people agree on, on on how to treat each other. And um, so what we've decided is we just had too much to manage. So on December 1st, we're going to launch something that brings all of our platforms under one umbrella and goes a step further for people. We're going to launch something called the Goodness Exchange, which is going to be a multimedia and participatory place for people. So we're going to take all our articles, which we know have been... um, aimed at pointing at all the goodness and progress going uncelebrated. And we're saying, ah, well, you know, behind every one of those things that we've written about is is a thought leader who has just defied logic, has done incredible things um, day after day after day to get us there. Topher White, the guy I mentioned a minute ago, is, is one that I use as a great example, the guy who's figured out how to save the rainforest with old cell phones. But there's a thousand of them or 1,500 that are up right now. We've written about thousands, but there's 1,500 articles there. We're going to expand that into a landscape so people can find their own way of engaging in making the world a better place. Because that's what these these thought leaders point to. They point to the journey, a journey, a purpose-driven life. And I have to say, Adam, have you heard of our times being called the Great Reset or the Great resignation. I think that falls short. I think it's the great questioning. I think people are pausing and questioning whether the work they do matters and whether they're on a, a path that's going to lead to work that matters or, or or what they were uniquely built to contribute. I mean, I had this nagging feeling for 20 years that I I was doing good dentistry. I was bringing a lot of light to people's lives but i knew i wasn't quite doing what i was uniquely built to contribute and so the the goodness exchange is going to be a place a, a really expansive landscape where people can see that goodness exists in the world and they can figure out how to be a part of it and do what they can do large or small
0: i am going to have to introduce you to a previous podcast uh, guest and a friend of mine tim jones uh who is really into b corporations um massive part of that movement and there's a there's some synergy which would be which would be great um I, I digress as i always do um you've been described as a master multiplier what the hell does that mean
1: so so if you if you were to ask me directly straight up dr linda what are you uniquely built to contribute I would have to say that, um, that I have a knack for seeing missed potential, missed opportunity. I, I've just always, that's how I came to fix teeth with computers in 2003. Think about that, how weird that is. But that was happening and we were doing it <laughs> that long ago because I could see that we were missing this opportunity. We had, we had computers that could restore teeth in microscopic accuracy. And that there was no uh, there was no avenue for it, and I, and I found I found the place that was doing that a rare 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 company in Germany, but that's the way I've always been. I mean, even when I was a child, I, I have a childhood tragedy which I'm not, rather not talk about, but it made me really live life um, Adam with a sense of urgency about what's possible, and um, I've, I've found a lot of thought leaders and people that are trying to do good in the world also have something in their childhood that made them really care about uh, the footprints they are leaving in the sand for others and how they might um, how they might influence and uh, influence the way things go for everyone their, their their kids and other people's kids all at the same time. So that's what I do. My my reason Detra is that I th- I think I have a little superpower in being able to see possibilities that others can't see and it's a gift and and there's a bunch of things I can't do, <laughs> a whole bunch mm-hmm. of things. Um, but that's what I can do. And I think that's about our times. We each have to decide what we can do. And it doesn't have to be big, but it will all make a difference.
0: So you, you spoke before about this aspect of the phase that we're in is about um, the big the big question. Yes. What What's the one or two questions that you... Th- that you believe, or you would be suggesting that people listening to this podcast mm-hmm. should be asking of themselves and potentially other people.
1: So what what I, I, I what I always ask people to start with if they if they are feeling this nagging feeling that they're not quite on the path that they that they should be on to be able to do what they they just their specific alchemy is built to do. I always say, ask yourself what other people say about you. Like, what do people already count on you for? Like, nobody's going to count on me for organization. No one. (laughs) Because I just, I I can't prioritize. I see so much possibility around me um, that I can't prioritize. So I'm not very organized. But they can come to me when they've got a big problem because I can see some Mm -hmm. oddball sideways idea that might just get them out of a pack of trouble. So if people sit and they say, what have people already recognized me as being a good for? And if there's not something, it's probably time to get on it. (laughs) But I can guarantee that most people, others have said, you're so good at this, or I always count on you for that, or whatever. And it can be just people in your social circles, it can be people at work, whatever. And once you establish that, you know what your gifts are, and how it relates to others. Then the second thing to ask yourself is, if my to-do list were done and I just had all the freedom to enjoy something that only I love, um, and what would that be? What would those things be? Would you go down a rabbit hole on Netflix about dinosaur documentaries? Would you read books about business theory? Would you, my, my little background hobby on the side was reading books about neuroscience. I've always been fascinated by the way the brain works. And that helps me every day now because I, I I think it gives me great patience with the stage that we're in to know how our brains are built because in the end that's what we're left with treat mother Teresa and and you and I our brains are built the same we just have to know how to how to discipline our our minds that would want to be in this um, danger and disorder mindset all the time if we if we allow it
0: hmm I'm um- for those people listening to it that want to take action, to, that want to find you uh, and to find the network that you've got, where can they go?
1: So the first place to go is to um, visit everwideningcircles.com. That's where these thousands of articles and examples of goodness and progress can be found. Um, if you're you're curious about this little this little budding social media place where even right now um, you can join people that are joining every day um, to find each other in goodness and progress, that's called the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, um, and there'll be a lot more of that, of course, to come after December first. But right now, uh, I think ever widening circles itself is a gift of perspective in people's lives. Like I had a podcaster the other day who, who chatted just like you and I do, and afterwards he sent me an email and he said, Doctor Linda." I've made it so that every time I type in breaking news on my phone, it actually leads to a random Everwhite. He's really good with technology. He made it so it, it he would just open into a random our surprise me button. He's made it so it, it accesses the surprise me button. He gets a random Everwhiteing Circles article instead. So I think there is, yeah, if, if you want to, if you want um just a general place for me personally, there is drlinda.com. It's dr dr l y dot
0: Awesome. Uh, do you know what? This conversation it, ne- it never ceases to amaze me. Um, about the connections that we have. Uh, we got referred in by Janet, uh, who I met through um the network from Professor Shri Kumar Rao. Right. Um, yeah so um trust relationship lean in and i've learned I've, pers- I've learned so much from this conversation i can't wait to get signed up um uh, and there's a number of people my brain's similar to yours and i'm going oh this person this person this person uh dr linda uh absolutely amazing massively appreciate we'll ensure that a number of the links are uh, are below so that people can find um so thank you you're very welcome if you have liked and want to continue listening, please click to ensure that you subscribe whichever platform that you're listening on. And please join us next time on the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast where we delve in and find out how people have focus, flow and fun. Thank you.